Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. After Party 66. Execute After Party 66. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's better than most of Jordan's usual references. So. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, so. Yeah, hey, there go. you go. So, yeah, I guess that makes... Uh, all of our references to how much we hate sand and how it gets everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. We've come full circle. So uh, welcome back as we uh, continue our uh, delve into book six. So uh, our after party's covering episodes 196, 197, and 198. Just kind of been the crypt of water so far. Mm -hmm. It's been been a pretty brutal uh, three episodes. I do not like a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> I do not like it all. It's been brutal on the pocketbook. It's been brutal on our lives. I do not like. At least we had the money. Mm-hmm. It's true. True. Yeah. So, yeah, in uh, episode 196, you guys packed it up in the Crypt of Fire and left the Crypt of Fire and made your way to the Crypt of Water. Uh, actually uh, missing a bit of treasure whenever you left the Crypt of Fire. What? Uh-oh. Really? Y'all. We were pretty thorough. I thought we were you really were thorough. pretty thorough. We missed a secret passage somewhere. No, no, it wasn't even that. What? You were not apparently the first people to attempt to uh, break into the Crypt of Fire before. Mm-hmm. As uh, it seems like someone possibly tried to grave rob them, I'm going to assume before Hakatep uh, even died. And uh, was eaten by a Tophet, and apparently all of their items and such were destroyed except for their Forge Fist amulet, which <laughs> still survived in the belly of the northeastern Tophet. Which is really only discoverable if they swallow you. Yeah, no, we didn't search okay. the toffets. Right. And since they are solid metal, you cannot detect magic through mm. them. So, uh, well, okay. Yeah, okay. I just want to throw that out there. Let's that, go rooting around in their bellies. Well, again, if uh, if Citra or Sudi, who are the ones that were fighting that one, had been swallowed, I was like, oh, it'd be cool. They'd get inside there and they'd be like, ooh, a magic item. And then subsequently, hopefully, find a way out of it. Yeah. So, what, what does that Forge Fire amulet do? Uh, it sounds like it'd be something cool for Sudi, but I'm, I'm hoping not sure. it's uh, it's something that gives you fire resistance so that you can survive. The Forge Fist Amulet uh, is a fist-shaped stone amulet which glows with a fiery light. On command, this amulet causes the wearer's fist to transform into red-hot flaming adamantine. Oh, the wearer oh, is protected wow. from the searing heat and can make savage blows with their hand. Unarmed strikes and natural attacks the wearer make with his hands gain the flaming weapon special ability and are treated as adamantine for the purpose of bypassing damage reduction. Man, wow. that would have been nice for Sudi. Uh, the wearer's really hands cool. become rigid while using this amulet and cannot be used to hold or manipulate objects unless that manipulation could be accomplished with a club and is not damaged. Wow. So you're just sitting there with your hands just like encased in metal trying to like pick up something. It does take up a net slot, so I don't think uh, especially because he's constantly switching between items already. Yeah, no, I probably wouldn't have taken it. But uh, for 26,000, Sudi could get that made, get a amulet of the forge fist non-slotted and could have been punching (laughs) people with fiery fists. Oh, man. Well, all right, guys, let's go find some more stuff in this temple. We go back to Sothis and we sell again <laughs> oh so I can my. get my adamantine fists. Which is, it's pretty neat. When you entered into the Crypt of Water, however, uh, after you left out, you went in there, you had to deal with the door to get inside of there, which uh, I think kind of sucked. Well, Masika, hand, Masika got it. You didn't trigger it because that would involve uh, a rather difficult fight, I think. What happens? Oh, yeah, what happens? Everything in this water temple sucks so far, so what happens? You have to fight a trio of fiendish elder mud elementals. Wow. Which, Fun. by the way, if you have never fought mud elementals before, they are terrible. <laughs> I'm imagining they just make everything difficult terrain in mud. 
Uh, it's more, I think it's every time that they strike you. I think the first time they strike you, you gain the grapple condition, but they don't. And the second time you gain pinned. And I think the yeah. third time you gain helpless. So they what? just they just kind of blob over you, it sounds yeah. like. Wow. I, I don't like that. They just like beat you to the ground and uh, and Suffocate basically you. paralyze you. <laughs> and then they kill you. That sounds wow. terrible. That's awful. Anyway, you guys didn't have to deal with that. Uh, instead, you got to go inside and talk with the ferrymen. I like them. But seem to have uh, have gained a bit of a following. I, I'm just waiting for the curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. I know. That's, I'm that's like, I'm, I'm like, there's gotta be a there's gotta be a downside to doing this. They're like, neutral they're gonna... evil. They're not like it's not like they're demon or are demons and are chaotic evil and inevitably betray us. And they're not devils. Where oh, you miss the loophole. So we it just depends on their mood. They're still evil. <laughs> they're just neutral evil. They're the selfish evil. Yep, the most <laughs> selfish of evils. The I do what I want evil. What type? What are they actually? I don't think I've ever seen a picture of them. I don't know 100% what they actually look like. You know, like I'm picturing the like robed, you know, things, but. Throw that in the chat there. The audience will have to Google it at home. They're really cool looking. <laughs> oh, they're cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're cool Jeez. as heck. I like their little stick thingy with the hourglass. That's cool. <laughs> Definitely right. evil stick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, what is with that like stick? It's like two like. It basically looks like two crescent moons, like one inside of the other. I don't know. I've That's their quarterstaff, like that. though, because they have a quarterstaff. Also, their quarterstaff does energy drain. It's neat. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's horrible. Anyway, I like them. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... Hi, yeah, have cool. you met me, Jordan? <laughs> also, one of my favorite things about the Thanodaemon is the uh, they have their skiffs that they you know just kind of pull away on and take them places. But I like almost every form of outsider they gain teleportation except for theirs is greater teleportation self plus skiff and passengers <laughs> that's wait, amazing wait wait wait, wait 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 you mean to tell me they can be teleporting us around this place like well only if they have a straight line because they can't teleport through the stone uh, i guess then it's basically not worth it yeah but it is the fact that they can teleport themselves plus their skiff plus their passengers they can also plane shift themselves plus their skiff plus their passengers that's it's amazing. like in a dishonored where you have to like see the location but then you just like Teleport yeah. to, the to it. Spot. Yep. Yeah. Zoop, yep. zoop. So yeah, you enlisted their assistance, and uh, I suppose more you employed them, and then uh, they took For you around to the, hours. the chamber of ice, of which you guys kind of took a look around and said nope, and then wandered back out of well, there. Well, I was wow. gonna try to use that ice body to get through it, but then you said it's magical ice, and I can't burrow through magical mm. ice. I can only do natural ah. snow and ice and stuff with that spell. I just didn't want to repeat what we did in the last place, where we kept trying to make something work when what we needed was in another room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I do feel like there is something that's going to either like melt the ice back into water or let us just pass through. It. Yeah, it's like when you get to the ice area in Ocarina of Time, where you have to get to the spot with the blue fire first. Yep. yep. So mm. we got to find our blue fire. All right. Well, so, we'll try it anyway. We can always come back. Yeah. Yep. So instead, you guys made your way around over to the uh, the watery graves, which uh, you did some searching. You found a cool hat. You took the cool hat and then uh, ended that episode with the uh, the rising spectral form of the elven maiden that was betrayed and murdered. We should have known. We should have known, y'all. We should have known. <laughs> we should we have taken but we precautions. Didn't. I honestly I was not expecting her to be a banshee. I was expecting her to be another mummy or something, you know. As soon as she was a banshee, though, I was like, oh, yeah, elf. All the yeah, clues yeah. are there. Oh, it just fit <laughs> so It nice. made so much sense. <laughs> I'm like, she's an elf just so they could put a banshee in this adventure path. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like that was a. Uh, Working chicken egg situation. situation, yeah. Yeah, We're like we we know what we want to have happen. So, 
Yeah, you guys had to uh, to fight against Nala, and unfortunately, uh, that led to the death of Hollis. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, I'm frustrated with the gimmick fights in this stupid pyramid so far. <laughs> Actually, mm. there really wasn't much of a gimmick to this one. A banshee doesn't need four other ghost backups. I'm just saying. That that was the point where I got worried was when she had backup, and I was like, oh, nuts. <laughs> I thought we had it otherwise. Well, some of that is just to buffer up because Banshees are a challenge rating of 14. So that's actually one challenge rating below the party level. Yeah, but not everything needs to be right at your level or most of the stuff in here is usually above us. They could give yeah, us a what, break What once. was that room CR? Is that a 16 CR then? No, CR 15 because those okay. uh, the Phantasms are it, only a challenge rating of nine. I, Say that to all the temporary negative yeah. levels we took. <laughs> I don't like incorporeal things. I've always felt like their challenge ratings are way skewed. Well, it's the thing of like, that's just like not the thing that our party's good at fighting without um, magic. So yeah. like if Citra had a ghost touch weapon. Yeah. I was going to say, you guys did uh, inadvertently help yourselves in that fight. How? Yeah. The enraged spirit of Nyla, now fiendish Banshee, is uh, in prison. Fiendish? By the way, she does. She's actually oh, yeah, fiendish she because normal. Banshees, I think, are regularly a challenge rating of 13, so they buff Ooh. her up a little bit. Oh, lovely. Anyway, yep, she uh, she breaks free when the uh, war crown is uh, attempted to be removed from the chamber. Did Greg Vaughn write this book? <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I would expect that from him. No, but this is actually Mike Shell, who's, uh, whose work I've really started to enjoy. Mm, I wonder why. Yeah, for he real. He wrote the second book of uh, Els Rebels, actually, I think. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, wonderful, guys. Something to look wonderful. forward to. <laughs> so you got that to look forward to. When uh, she is released, at the same time uh, she gets free, the spirits of her handmaidens interred in the alcove pools and now malevolent ghostly undead creatures called phantasms are also released. They're actually all released at the exact same time, except for if a handmaiden's body has been disturbed, the re release of its spirit is delayed for one round after Nyla is liberated. So by okay. checking all of those bodies, it actually meant that they were released the following round instead of all five of them materializing at once. Good Jesus. gracious, that would have been horrible. Wild. <laughs> wow. But yeah, a fight ensued. Uh, honestly, Nyla went down pretty quick because I think, you know, the moment she did that first scream, it was pull out all stops, Citrus, sneak attack, the crap out of things. Yeah, if, if, if this is your first time, like, either listening or experiencing a Banshee fight, um, it, it almost always has one party member die, like, almost guaranteed just by the sheer yeah. math of it. Well, it's, like, yeah, it's, you have four brutal. people saving and... To be fair, I, I made the joke about it, I think, in the following episode, but Jessica's playing an elven wizard. Yeah. Like the the, yeah. the fatal combination where you are pretty much like have no fort whatsoever. Yeah, you're taking a constitution penalty and also, you know, it's a fortitude save. Yep. But <laughs> you did manage to eventually defeat the handmaidens uh, who had their cool possession ability, although it didn't ever really go much of anywhere with it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I'm glad because otherwise that just makes that fight really like you could actually TPK the party just by possessing everybody, couldn't you? I mean, or is it like, temporary well, possession? No, because I think the longer we're possessed, the more levels we lost, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so they would just kill us. Yeah, when the phantom is possessing a creature, that its aura remains active and it's also uh, continues to cause one negative level every round. Wow. So yeah, you could TPK the party just with those possessions. That's crazy. Yeah, if everyone got possessed and no one could break free, and also you're taking the negative level penalty on your save, so every single round it's becoming it's harder to make worse that DC. And worse. Uh, what is it, DC 23 will save? Yeah. But fortunately, once you make the save once, you're immune to the possession for a day. For so, that specific phantasm, though. Yeah, which is why they were kind of like rotating, rotating between Rotating around, everyone. yeah. So, 
anyway, uh, in the following episode, you guys brought back uh, Hollis, our last episode. Yay, me, Hollis. And then went on a little uh, shopping trip because uh, Jessica basically had to sit out almost that entire episode. Yeah, so uh, to clarify, we planned in advance all the stuff we were going to go buy and everything. And then I think we still ended up having 15 minutes of figuring out what we were going to buy. <laughs> well, it was if anybody else was going to buy any extra stuff was the thing. So we, we didn't know. more than we thought, yeah. We didn't know exactly how much gold we would have afterwards and everything. So, but yes, we talked a lot about what we were going to do because for one thing, future Rick doesn't need to sit there and edit 45 minutes of us going, well, how much diamond dust do we need? What diamonds are we going to get? Are we going to do it this way? We're going to summon this person. Who should we summon? I mean, there's a bunch of different things on the list. Let's go through the bestiaries. Yeah. (laughs) No. So eventually you guys, uh, you went back to Sothis. You did your little shopping trip after you got uh, Hollis back up from the grave. And then uh, purchase all the stuff that you needed and teleported back and continued your exploration. Found a cool little uh, postable statue. Yeah. That's weird. It, yeah, it, it gives me pause. It's weird. Like, it, it's not it's weird. A, a clockwork, which is what I thought it was going to be. It's not a golem. Why does it move? It, it makes me yeah. think of those little wooden figurines that you uh, use in art yeah, the, class the, the, to position. Yeah, for art classes for posing bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it makes me think of. I, I literally was like, maybe we just start playing with this and figure out if we can, like, by sheer luck, find some magic combination that opens the door. But then we checked and there was no secret door. So unless it's opening something, like, on the other side of the, you know, the riverway, like, who I knows? I mean, it's possible, but... Yeah. Well, it's kind of the fun thing with this... Uh this book in general because each wing seems to be here's a bunch of uh kind of esoteric things oh totally is this a trap is this a puzzle is this just something like for all we know this is like hakatep's like favorite clockwork that got destroyed and he just decided okay cool i'm just gonna keep it yeah i mean for all you know this was uh just a sex original demo idea for what would inevitably (laughs) become narmer Well, and also, Chisisek, speaking of Chisisek, Chisisek did die before all of this was completed. Maybe this was a work in progress that yep. never got finished. Yeah. So oh, now maybe, because it did have out. a sapphire in it, which could have yeah. been like, you know, he was going to infuse it with some kind of like, you know, elemental water uh, power, kind of like. Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, we'll I see. don't know. It's just yeah. weird because like there's like it has a phantom trap like it's supposed to be trapped. Like it's trying to trick you into it being trapped to protect the sapphire. But like. The sapphire doesn't do anything. Maybe there's so something just, else it in it. And it, like, oh, we did it, haha! And then, uh, that's oh, you think it's a, like a honeypot kind of thing? Digging. It, you know, it's possible. There's a little part of me that just wants to go back and and look some more. <laughs> Mess with it uh, some We more. may have to go back for that spear. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but you guys did continue on after that and uh, entered into the hall of the crocodile kings. Yeah, I don't know what's up with this room. It's that very room is strange. also weird, right? Like, it's another room where we're just like, <laughs> what is supposed to happen here? However. I do think that Jordan made a good comment that these people might be allies because they were the Sekpatras who didn't like Hakatep. But I don't think that's them. I don't think there's anybody in the room. Yeah, that's the problem. Most of the petrified Sekpatra were in the uh, pyramid with the aunt whose name I can't remember. Istakimhebet. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the thing about it is like you have a place that does not allow for teleportation and then you put a like additional barrier that is even harder to get through, which makes me think they're like some kind of large size something or another. Cause I thought something was maybe going to get like summoned or released from a gem or, you know, something. Honestly, I think if we put the crown on one of those things, it's going to turn into something freaking awful. Oh, most likely. And the whole thing to not let you teleport out and so close together that you can't squeeze out so you can't escape once you've triggered this freaking awful transformation. Well, and also, like, there's the weird pools. Like, you have the little, like, uh, 15 feet by 10 feet, three feet deep pools. Like, why three feet deep? That's so weird. 
for baby uh-huh. crocodiles. You know. Apparently. <laughs> no, uh, what I was going to say is yeah, just a reminder for the audience and everything else, because I don't think we even touched on it during that episode, that the these were the twin brothers of Hakatep's brother's wife. So they were the youngest members of the The Sekpantra. ones that she yeah. convinced him to spare yes. when everybody yeah. else was yeah. killed for messing around with Istakimabet. And so they were almost like adopted children to Hakatep's brother. So, but they, and then they joined up with him and Nyla to try to kill Hakatep. Kill Hakatep and put Hakatep's brother on the throne. Yeah. Yeah. Did Nahamur tell us how, what happened to them? Cause we know, were they entombed in here? Are they on the list? Uh, yeah, he basically mentioned that almost everyone who tried to betray him there. Yeah, it was like all the bad guys. Basically, this wing feels like just the place where all of the, uh, all of the traitors were kind of kept. All the traitors. It sounds like traitors with a D, but it's not. Oh, no, traitors. (laughs) It's so that he could, you know, keep an eye on them in the afterlife. It's true. (laughs) So, yeah, we left off with, uh, with Sudi turning back around as Masiko was like, you know what, I'll just cast a vision after Sudi did some stone tell and I got to use the rock voice again. Everybody and, uh, loves the rock voice. Yeah, we voice. found we out the, the horrifying, uh, oh yeah, there's a bunch of people in here, and then they got turned into baby alligators, and then they all died. Yep. Yeah, Mostly yeah. killed each other. Yeah. Uh, yep. Don't like. It'd be really sad for the ones that still remembered that they were people. Yeah. It's oh. horrible. Yep. You'd then gotten ready to uh, to cast a vision spell on there, and then Sudi had turned and... Uh, Activated a vision of his own, on unbeknownst to him, since he's the mask both was like visions. Mask. You say, visions. yeah, it's like, wait, wait what, what's that? You say you want a vision? Yes. Well, I shall oblige. The mask functions exactly like Siri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you said oh, something my... approximating my name. Every time we make a name for somebody, Sudi just has a vision of that person, just like over and over really and cool. over and over. It would be kind of cool, but it'd be like, what if it's just like the most like nothing, like the the time he was eating, you know, dates with them and talking about like a potential future attack or something like that, and it's like doesn't ha- doesn't tell us anything. I more like to think that it just randomly misinterprets what you're saying. It's like, oh yeah, blah 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 blah. I can cast vid- visions or whatever it is, and then suddenly the mask is like, I found a list of optometrists near you. <laughs> <laughs> if it was like Siri, that's exactly how it would function. <laughs> Yeah, ours does that every once in a while where we'll be like in the living room and then we've got a, a Google Home thing in the kitchen and it'll start talking like it, I think it hears the TV from far away and yeah. misinterprets it. Yeah, or I've had mine like it triggers if I say okay and not like the full phrase to turn yeah. it on and it's just like, I'm like, that wasn't for you. Like, <laughs> Stop listening to me. That's actually what you tell it uh, when it picks up something it's not supposed to be responding to and it'll delete it out of your, uh, like it, the log records that it keeps Okay. Okay. So away. that's yeah, that's that's a trick. Apparently, I learned that online, and I was like, oh, so there is a way to actually tell it to shut up. Yep. Well, Listen to the know. podcast for uh, adventures, and stay tuned for trips on how to deal with your smart home. <laughs> smart home? Is it coming for you? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yes, it is. If just a sec built it, it sure is. <laughs> if just a sec yeah. did it, it's definitely coming for you. Popping up on some Boulder chicken trap? legs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and that's where we left off with. Uh, with all of you getting ready for a new mask vision. It's been a bit, actually, I think, since you guys had your last mask vision. Um, I can't even remember. The last time was in book five. I don't remember exactly where. Yeah. Sometime in book five. I'd have to flip back through my notes. Yeah. But you guys will have to tune back in next week for uh, for whatever's going to happen. And uh, we're only two weeks away from episode 200. Wild. It's going to be nice. a new milestone for us. So much Big podcast. Yep. So, yeah, I suppose we should jump into some emails, shall we? Indeed. Yep, yep. Let's do it. Email. All right. 
So our first email comes from Bakari, located in Newport, Kentucky, a quaint little city directly across the Ohio River from the Reds and Bengals Stadium. That's a thing we know about. Sure. <laughs> Calvary, because there's a big stadium-like thing there. Oh, there you go. Oh, you Kelmarain. know, actually. Oh, the, the battle market. The battle market. Battle market. Yeah. There you go. Kelmarine. Kelmarine it is. I'm sure at some point they've had Bengals there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah. the desert. There were definitely some tigers of some sort at some point. And then at halftime, they released the tigers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Bakari from Kelmarine Katapesh writes in and says, good evening. Find the path crew. Good Hello. evening. Hello. Good evening. As I'm writing this email, I'm listening to episode 136. So you might have caught up by now because I think uh, we're, we're still going through a backlog on emails. I just recently started listening to your podcast, recently being around two months ago. Oh, wow. Oh. You've gotten through a lot then. 130 wow. something episodes in two months is pretty impressive. Sweet. It's at least two a day. Nice. Yeah, no, I was thinking about it and I realized we're like 300 hours plus at this point yeah. um, to oh, get yeah. through everything. Yeah, it's a staggering amount. Y'all listen to us talk a lot. Yeah, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Keep it up, by the way. <laughs> so it goes on to say, I recently started listening around two months ago, so you can hopefully see just how much of a fanatic about your work I am. Yeah, yes, we were just marveling. That thank you. <laughs> yeah. I truly love and appreciate the joy and level of genuine love and camaraderie you all bring to the table. Aww. I think you are all amazing, Rick included, and could not possibly choose a favorite amongst you all. But he called Aww. you out specifically, so I think you're his favorite, Rick. I think it's the whole Rick <laughs> like, the doesn't like compliments thing, yeah. so he has to be included. <laughs> I just don't like reading compliments about myself. Well, sure, the, you're the one who came up with this whole read the email thing, so it's your fault. Like, yeah, I like to engage with people. <laughs> it's your fault. Be worse so people don't want to compliment you. Story <laughs> tell less good. Uh, no, don't, please. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Please know. The question I'm writing in with is, for all of you, both from a GM and a player standpoint, I play almost entirely evil and neutral characters. I wish I could. My two current being a lawful evil swashfigator in our Hell's Rebels game. Swashfigator. And a neutral evil Grave Warden Slayer in our Mummy's Mask game. Most huh. GMs, or at least those I played with before finding my permanent table, were entirely against the idea of running for evil PCs. The same for players not wanting them in their party. I feel as though as long as they are played right and are not entire, entirely antagonistic towards the parties, stealing from the loot pools, constantly pulling them and putting them in necessary danger, things of that nature, they should not be entirely discounted. What are your thoughts on this? I've played evil characters in two of the campaigns that we have not played on air. As long as you are not working against the party and you are open to cooperating with the party, you're chill. Yes, yeah. that's the thing, yeah. Also, uh, as long as you're cool with potentially like having artifacts that target you because you're also evil or <laughs> yeah. having, you know, spellcasters be really annoyed because they can't cast like their holy smite in an area because you happen to be in the way, then you should be fine. Yeah, there, there are a lot of spells, like a lot of good spells that are alignment targeted, and that does make your life harder as a spellcaster. But it is one of those things that's like, it's all in how you portray it, because like if you're an evil character who is evil, but you're, like your motivations and your desire to work with the party is like aligned with the party, then I don't think you're going to have much of a problem. It's when your individual motivations and like way of operating doesn't gel with the rest of the party and it's just needless drama that I feel like it becomes like more of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like even paladins are allowed to work with an evil entity 
in the pursuit of greater good. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think you're absolutely right when you say it's not entirely antagonistic towards the party is a very good baseline to have. Uh, I would make sure that you are open in your communication with the rest of the group. Because what you might not think is necessarily antagonistic towards the parties, other, others might. If it's, oh, there's this small town and we help them out and all of you save in an orphanage full of children. And then you're like, oh, by the way, my evil priest sneaks back in and uh, murders one of the orphans as a sacrifice to Asmodeus before we leave town. That's not yeah. going to endear you to the rest of the group. And the rest of the group has to do the, well, okay, they did it quietly. So I have to pretend that that didn't happen, even if I'm not necessarily comfortable with it. So you have to make sure you engage that comfort level with the party. Think about yeah. it kind of from a realistic standpoint of would you want to associate with somebody who does that in the real world? If the answer is no, probably don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, murdering things is generally antagonistic to the goals of many people in a group. I think it's also good to remember that there are different facets and levels of evil. Not everybody yes. is an orphan murdering character. Yeah, that feels yeah, like a chaotic evil situation yeah. right there. Some people want to play chaotic evil. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is uh, you also always want to make sure that you discuss it with the game master as well, because mm. there are oh, some yeah. campaigns where playing evil does not work as like much as you want to say, you oh, well, you know, I'm I'm evil, but it's just because of X, Y or Z, where it's just like, well, yeah, but this part of the book has you allying with angels or this part of what I have planned has you getting an artifact that does, you know, 2D six points of holy damage to everything within 150 feet or whatever it is, much as Jessica and Jordan yeah. and everyone were saying pertaining towards like holy effects. Um, and in large part, because some stories hinge on the idea of the group choosing to do good for good's sake. Sometimes some stories will just be like, well, there's this problem and I'm going to assume that the characters being people of upstanding righteous views, even knowing that there might not be a guaranteed payout, are going to do the good thing, do the right thing. You can still be evil and do good things for selfish reasons. Oh, yeah. You know, but that's I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is when when there's not an obvious reward, you need to communicate with the game master to determine whether or not this character, like any character, will work for the story. And there are adventure paths where I wouldn't say it's necessarily easier being evil, but like it's more acceptable. So like Skull and Shackle, you're pirates. That's a good yeah. spot where you being evil will probably be just sense. fine, right? It, uh, Skull and Shackle we've actually played through is a very much like you want to explore new places and find you know rich treasures and things and that's a good motivator for just about anybody right so like yeah. there's not really like anything in the adventure that really says hey you have to be capital G good um, so there's there's it's one of those things it's like depends on what the adventure is what the kind of premise is there's a little more wiggle room in what you want to be because like Skull and Shackle I think specifically says don't play a paladin <laughs> because <laughs> you're breaking yeah. laws all the time right yeah well, and a lot of times the, the evil debate comes down to uh, what kind of evil you are, as all of you were kind of saying a bit ago, where it's if your character is, you know, I'm so amoralistic because of X, Y, or Z, that it's the ends justify the means, the well-intentioned extremist type of character. That's completely different from saying, you know, I am a worshiper of Rovagug. Yeah. That'd yeah. be hard to work with the worshiper of Rovagug. Yeah. Yeah, it would be because there like are some deities orders. that really this character, this deity is only there for kind of evil groups. Rovagug, it's kind of like Lamash the same thing. Too. Like there's, there's feats and things that you can get that are basically only there for your opponents. Like you would probably never actually take them. Like there's archetypes and different things like that. that I feel yeah. like, like depending on your race, 
Lamashtu could make a lot of sense. Like, if you're a knoll and you follow Lamashtu, that's kind of like, well, you know, my family follows them. It's kind of just what we do. Maybe not. Well, I'm more saying Lamashtu, that if your character, right? like, if you're playing a priest of Lamashtu or something like yeah, that, that's that it's like, different. oh, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't kill these monsters. We need these monsters to make more monsters to murder people. We love a monster. Goodness. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're playing, one of the classic ones I always like to hear about is Tyrant Maker. If you're playing Kingmaker, but as an evil country, it's like, okay, well, you could probably get by playing an evil character. I played a, oh, yeah. I played a borderline evil character when I played through Kingmaker. And then you played a, you played a Skull of Shackle. You played a former Red Mantis assassin. I think you were lawful. That wasn't Skull and Shackle. No, 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 that was or that not Skull and Shackle. Uh, Serpent Skull. I was yeah. chaotic neutral on that one. Chaotic neutral. Okay. Yeah. I think that raises a somewhat uh, interesting point. I think there's one quintessential ruling as far as in my mind for playing evil, which is do not make a character that not only wouldn't be would be sympathetic, but in fact fully on board with the main villain. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Because you never want to get to that point that goes, actually, it makes more sense for me to be working with that guy than these people. Yeah. Like if you're just like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm an evil nobleman that has no problem with undead and all the rest of that in Mummy's Mask and just going, actually... Having an undead mummy overlord for this nation seems like it'd be really... I could get at the ground floor I mean, it's this. working great for Gab, right? Like, <laughs> feeling more like them. But uh, I think Jordan was saying when uh, we were doing Strange Aeons, Heather was playing an evil char character in that, but was lawful evil, and you guys were primarily dealing with the Cthulhu mythos, which is chaotic yeah. evil. Yeah. So if you're playing the law versus chaos angle, you can still just go, well, I, on a fundamental level, don't agree with these people because their alignment is still so far off my axis. Yeah, it's like, I don't care that they're killing people. I care that they're, like, doing crazy, like, fall breaking I all care, the laws. I and care that there's no disorder. rules for what they're doing. She was also a fighter that was a Hell Knight without the prestige class, but was part of the order that hunts down cults of other deities. So, yeah. yes, yeah. hunting down the Cthulhu mythos was right up her alley. Yeah. So, yeah, play, playing an evil character that still has strong motivation to oppose yeah. whatever evil is going on, I think is a... I think playing evil kind of gets a bad rap because people sometimes play evil to just literally, I I'm going to be evil, so when I'm a total d I can just be like, that's what my character would do. Yeah. It's it's the same reason that everyone labels chaotic neutral as the lazy alignment. It's because most people choose to play chaotic neutral because they don't want to have to think about alignment. And just go, well, if I want to be good today, I'll be good today. If I want to be evil tomorrow, I'll be evil tomorrow. If I want to do some lawful things, I can just say it's because I'm chaotic and I chose to do a lawful thing today. Hmm. There are a group of people that more or less will try to abuse that alignment where some people like to play evil because they just go, well, yeah, I want to play evil so that I can extort and steal from people so that I can get the best gear instead of actually having a good motivation for why that character would be evil. In Pathfinder Society organized play, they disallow evil alignments. Um, and I think metagame wise, like there's, you know, probably in-game reasons why they don't want to necessarily work. The Pathfinder Society doesn't want to work with evil people, but it is the idea that you're sitting down at a table of players you've never met before and you're like, hey, I'm playing this, you know, mustache twirling evil guy. They're all going to be like, what? That's okay. But how are we supposed to work together? And, and it also prevents the problem in open society play where, okay, somebody just sat down at the table and is playing a paladin and I'm playing the lawful, you know, evil priest. Yeah. We literally can't work together. Yeah. Because yeah. running around and doing whatever the society is going to have you do is definitely not something for the quote unquote greater good against a greater evil. You know, there's not going to be a way yeah, you can easily yeah. swing that. For somebody playing a yeah, paladin, it's kind of a pain to do because you have to pay out of your gold and blah blah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, and importantly, a lot of things that evil people do can be triggering for other individuals. Mm -hmm. And so, if it's just like, yes. but also my character is a cannibal. Mm. And so, for some people, that might be top of their list of these are things that I really don't want in my games. 
oh, this sure. person's a cam cannibal or, you know, oh, okay, this person like is a slaver or something mm. like that. It's like, you don't want to have to sit down at a table with somebody and go, I'm not remotely comfortable with this or what this person is doing. Yeah. So very thought provoking conversation though. And uh, hopefully we, we offered up some good uh, suggestions and advice there for you. So uh, signs off saying uh, with love and good wishes from wherever you place me, Bakari. Ah, Calmarine. Calmarine. Thank you. Uh, as a side note, he adds a PS. PS, Jess is my favorite. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, Oh, oh, I see how it is. You said, you know, you couldn't choose. You couldn't but pick, you did choose. but apparently decided a postscript. <laughs> Email two comes from Matthew, a.k.a. Sith Drummer. Hey, we've met that guy. Hey, hey we've met Sith Drummer. I've seen a picture uh, of that From dude. Duncan Hold, a.k.a. Denton, Texas. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Matthew writes in and says, Hello, doorkeepers plus Rick and Ross. Well, unfortunately, Ross isn't here, but hello. Hello. I'm Ross sure he would say hello knows. if he was here. Matt writes, sorry, Matthew. I don't know if you go by Matt, so I'll assume Matthew, because I really hate it when people do nicknames with Rick. How does Rick what, get what, a nickname? nickname? Because some Rick? people love saying Ricky, and I'm like, Rick is a short one. I hate when people call me Ricky. So just for a fun <laughs> anecdote for everyone, I literally hate that. Uh, and two, you're taking a one-syllable name and making it two syllables, which is the opposite yeah. of a nickname. It's the opposite of nicknaming. Rick is already your nickname. Rick is already my nickname. It's <laughs> just something I've lived with my entire adult life. Sorry, for people that, people whose name is Ricky, I apologize, but I don't like being called Ricky. Just makes me think of Lucy, like I love Lucy. Anyway, yeah. okay, yeah. we've gone down a hole. Matthew, yep. Matthew writes in and says, I know you've mentioned on several occasions the adventure paths you've finished or at least started, perhaps most notably in teasing the possibilities for the campaign after Mummy's Mask concludes. Mm. However, have you ever mentioned which standalone Pathfinder modules you played, either as oh. a group or individuals? Um, um, I feel like we mentioned a couple. Yeah. I've run a bunch of them. The Fey Queen one. We did that one with Jordan. Realm of the Fel Knight Queen. Yeah, that Realm one. of the Fel Knight Queen. Paxstone Pyramid the... and the other one. Yeah, Entombed of the Pharaohs and Paxstone Pyramid. Uh, Hangman's yep. Noose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crypt of the Everflame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was the, well, it was something of Night or whatever it was. Yeah, the we one did one in like Night All or something. Oh, right? the Mirror. Mirror of Night oh, or Night's Yeah, something with the Mirror. That was in Night All. That was for Jordan's birthday. Yeah, that was that was one of my birthdays. We did that. I think that was the first one that I ran for you guys. It was Justin one of the first, Jordan. yeah. Yeah. And when then I was first teaching you guys Pathfinder. I think Weeby Goblins is the only one that I have played. Weeby Goblins. Oh, Weeby Goblins, Weeby yeah. Goblins is, is amazing. When 2E first started, we started a little bit of the uh, Fall of Plague, Plague Stone. Stone. I ran yeah. Malevolence. It was really fun. I Malevolence was good. Yeah, Malevolence is really good. So not nearly um, as much. I yeah. think adventure paths kind of take up a lot of our time. Yeah, yeah and then like for and sure. then like Jess and I have done like some Starfinder stuff. So we played like a bunch of Starfinder oh, sure, modules. Yeah. And we have stuff. a ton of the modules for first edition. It's just yeah. we never have time to yeah. play them. No, I've got an entire shelf. Yeah, next time when Rick's on camera, look at the yeah. wall of back matter and everything. But he's also got like every adventure almost. Yeah, we... yeah down there at the bottom next to the uh, Emerald Spire Super Dungeon. I just yeah. never really run them. Time. Well, and then of course we did Ross's conversion for 2E for Dark Moon oh, Vale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dark Moon Vale stuff. Which is not called Dark Moon Vale, it's called other things. Crown of the Cobalt King? That's the second one that we'll do eventually, but I can't remember what the first one was called. I'm totally mind blinking because my brain keeps going Dark Moon Vale, and I'm like, that's not the title of it. Um, yeah, I know. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. <laughs> all I remember all I remember is the logging town sucks. Hey, why don't y'all like comment on this episode and tell us what modules we should play? Oh, just raise a valid point. It's like, yeah, if, if we were to run a module, which one would you guys like us to uh, run? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, maybe. Well, y'all tell us which modules we need to be looking at and playing because uh, 
We obviously haven't done that many. Yeah, Crypt of the Everflame, I always suggest. I've run that multiple times for multiple yeah, groups. Yeah, I've run that a couple Same, times. Same, yeah. Always a, uh, a good choice, a good introduction. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew signs off with cheers and best wishes. Everybody's cheers. wishing things today. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of genies. <laughs> we're not genies. We may feel magical, but we're not genies, y'all. <laughs> All right, so... I suppose we should get to our, our casting section if we yes. oh, if yeah. we wish. Indeed. Part I'm bad so at. I suppose if I can go ahead and uh, get, uh, I don't remember who hosted the last time. You know what? I'll roll. I am the host this time. Look at me. <laughs> look at me. I'm the captain. They can't look at you. Listen to me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> All right. All right. This will be fun. Right, for today, we're going to be casting the Archmage Nex. <gasps> Exciting. All right. Okay. The Archmage Nex emerged during the Age of Destiny in the city-state of Quantium, which later became the capital of the state which bears his name. Nex traveled the world and the great beyond, and his private nation grew rich on the results of his adventures. However, in negative 892 AR, the expansion of the country of Nex brought into conflict with the necromancer Geb, and his nation, also called Geb. The war lasted centuries as each wizard was able to extend his life through the use of arcane elixirs. Nex eventually achieved true immortality by creating a personal demiplane he called the Crux of Nex. He used a shard of the Crux to create the Spire of Nex as part of an unsuccessful siege of Absalom in 166. He used another shard of Quantium to create the Refuge of Nex to act as a bolt hold if he was threatened by his enemies. Some 4,000 years ago, in 576, Geb managed to bathe Quantium in a deadly fog, and Nex fled into his refuge. He has never been seen since, and whilst thousands of other people have entered the refuge since, none of those has ever merged either. So where did uh, he go? For everyone's edification, since uh, Geb and Nex are almost two sides of the same coin, we cast Geb as Taika Watiti. Uh-huh. I'm here for it, and I know exactly who I'm casting. All right, so I suppose since uh, I'm hosting, I'll go ahead and go first. So I'm gonna pull the I'm gonna pull the Jordan trick here, where I'm gonna go there for an out there kind of choice. Great actor, right. plays intelligent roles extraordinarily well, wide range, uh, really good at being confrontational, but in a likable way. Lin Manuel Miranda. Interesting. Okay. From yeah, what I understand, he has a, a pretty amiable relationship with Taika Waititi. It's only I just allowed think the two if Nick would... sings. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you could basically say <laughs> that Nex is an amazing performer. Quantium, I think, has something to do with music. I have no idea. Uh, but no, I think you'd just be a, a fun character. Uh, I think it'd be a fun role for him to uh, express that sheer level of uh, of intelligence and uh, what am I looking for? Arrogance that uh, he brings to the stage in Hamilton, which is what most people probably know him for. Uh, he's also uh, exceptionally well. I didn't watch uh, his Dark Materials, uh, but from what I understand, he was rather well reviewed as kind of the best part of that show. I'm not positive who he plays in that. Uh, other than that, of course, most people really know him for his musical talents. Uh, Encanto, Moana. So uh, if you want a, an awesome uh, awesome wizard with some musical range, I think that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda would do it. Yeah. <laughs> so All right. that's what I'm going for. Huh. Strong antagonistic foe. Okay. I'm going to go not in all that direction. And instead, <laughs> I'm going to put up... I told you I'd be out there one. Yep. I'm going to go Robert Sheehan from Umbrella Academy. He was Klaus. He was in The Misfits. Oh. He okay. just... Oh. Young wizard. 
wizards are always a little like eccentric, a little weird, a little like defying expectations. And so I think he kind of locks that pretty nicely. Um, he, he, I think in the, is it the misfits? There's something where he's a little bit of like, I'm too smart for you kind of vibes, which works. I don't know. I just love him in general. So that's, that's my vote. I'm going to go with Robert Sheehan. All right. Uh, let's see. So I'm going to go a little on the nose. Uh, and I can't believe we have not cast him yet. Uh, I'm going to go with Benedict Cumberbatch. He's been up for several things. He's been things. up for some... Yeah, but he's never oh, won anything. Okay. He hasn't won yeah. anything. I mean, of course, plays the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, um, I'm but... actually <laughs> not in that universe. <laughs> Sorry. You guys introduced <laughs> me to that show. It's terrible. Isn't it um, such yeah. a fun show? But anyway. he is not the Sorcerer Supreme in the current continuity. He is in the other yeah. universes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Doctor Strange, uh, the character, is whatever. <laughs> anyway, pedantic, question, pedantic corrections aside, um, but he's, he's a really amazing actor at yeah. being a villain because he was also con- in the second new Wait, Star Trek. Are we saying that Nex is the villain and not Geb? Is that what we're saying here? Villains. They're both they're villains. Both, okay, they're both villains. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. That's acceptable. But that, uh, that I, and I, I think uh, I really didn't like him as Khan. I'm sorry. But. I mean, you know, but I feel like the thing about like being a good wizard and getting a lot of power is you've got to not be killed in your sleep. And so, like, I feel like Nexus probably had some kind of charisma. I mean, you, you, Lin-Manuel Miranda being a bard and all of that. So, like, I like Benedict Cumberbatch for him because he is very charismatic, oh, yeah. but also could be mean if he wanted to. And I feel like he'd be, like, one of those biting wit type of uh, people who would just be, like, you know, just, like, hit him with, like, a really targeted insult or something like that. More like a BBC Sherlock. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little BBC Sherlock, yeah. Yeah. Not a bad it's choice like at all. Shut your mouth because you're lowering the IQ of the whole street. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. All right. So uh, I'm gonna go with a uh, Jeff Goldblum. So uh, <laughs> we can have Taikai Watiti on one hand and Jeff Goldblum on the other, I'm screaming at each too. other in a giant spellcasting fight of sh- utter and complete shenanigans. Yeah, okay. I don't That's know if Jeff too. Goldblum would ever actually, I don't know, um, get his, um, I don't know, his spells out. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he takes quick and he moves really fast. He takes haste all the time. <laughs> he just uses time stop. It's just constant time stop. So uh, he has time. Oh, you know, um, Magic finds a way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or the so, exact opposite. I'll have to bleep this, of course, but you know, just him jumping out and uh, using Taika Watiti's line and just saying, fuck, ghost, and then kicking yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, So that's my, that's my pick, that's because the two of them fighting as all-powerful wizards would just be the best. Well, I do remember no. hearing stories when they were on set together that apparently nothing got done. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Funny, funny thing, not to uh, to pull a Rachel here or anything else, one of my first thoughts, uh, just to be ridiculous, was Chris Hemsworth, because they famously <laughs> they famously were friends to the point that Chris Hemsworth uh, specifically chose to not tell Marvel about his friend friendship with Taika Waititi so that it wouldn't tip the scales of whether or not he got the directing role. <laughs> and so they pretended not to know each other <laughs> until after he was already hired. <laughs> wow, right. that's amazing. So, anyway. All righty, Rachie. I was kind of leading the same thought process as Jess, where I was trying to think of somebody who's a little Robert bit Sheehan. eccentric. Um, I'm going to go with Vincent Castle. Okay, um, that guy's who, weird. 
he is very weird because like the first thing I ever saw him in was Brotherhood of the Wolf mm-hmm. where he plays the creepy brother villain but then he's also in Ocean's 12 where he's like the weird oh, French okay I know who, who you're talking about now the, like, the laser scene with yeah. the lasers and I'm just like Yes, he perfectly encapsulates like that almost scary villainous vibe, but also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just yeah. really love Vincent Castle. I'm He's glad great. that uh, I don't have to make the final choice. Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be a tough one. This is gonna be a tough one. True. All righty, guys, you can vote on our Discord for yeah. who should be cast as next. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's going to be it for us this week. Check back in with us next week for the continued exploits of the doorkeeper and the continued exploration of the Crypt of Water. And uh, stay tuned to see if anyone becomes a baby crocodile. Ah, that'd be fun. Wait, there was an option to become a baby crocodile? That was, but they got turned Not so much as an like option. Loki. I think it's oh my gosh, yeah, the, the little Loki crocodile. <laughs> it would uh, be so cute. It would be so be amazing. Fun. Just soon he gets turned into a crocodile, but still wearing the mask. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh man, that'd be amazing. Because it's an artifact and can't be transmuted. Yeah. Oh, that Goodness. would be great. I love it. Oh boy. And he's still doing his like like monkey moves. Monkey yeah. moves. <laughs> well, I, know, like, I was doing monk. Monk like dash E, but uh, monkey yes. moves is also funny to me. <laughs> yes, Sudi retains his intelligence and flurry of blow tail slaps as a baby alligator. <laughs> oh, my. oh my god. We just Stay throw him at Hockatep's face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> kinetic charge him <laughs> into every fight. Oh, okay. goodness. Goodbye, Pathfinders. Goodbye, Pathfolk. Bye, Pathfolk. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.